0: Welcome to another episode of the Criminal Law Department Presents podcast, a production of the Criminal Law Department at the Judge Advocate General's Legal Center and School in Charlottesville, Virginia. Every two weeks, we release a new episode. Today, we're going to have a conversation about a recent opinion from the Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces. Please note that these episodes may contain facts and circumstances surrounding criminal trials. Listener discretion is advised. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye.
1: The United States of the Armed Forces is now with an in session. God save the United States of America. this moment. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Criminal Law Department Presents podcast. This is Lieutenant Colonel Dave Seagraves, the United States Marine Corps, and with me I have Major James Bereth, United States Army, brand new. I've been instructed to welcome you to the criminal law faculty. Welcome to the criminals. Thank you, sir. Uh, an auspicious position. He has taken over the portfolio for Major Steve Dre, as the listeners probably know from a lot of our different podcasts.
0: Unreplaceable. I can't replace that man. Fantastic.
1: I'm sure he'll do just fine. Uh, and with us today, we also have a special guest. We have
2: Rebecca Cochis, a rising 2L at West Virginia University College of Law.
1: And Rebecca has joined us at T. Jack this summer as an intern. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about the process Uh that she'd followed to become an intern here and maybe why she wanted to be one. But we'll do that after we talk about the case. So currently we're going to be talking about the CAF opinion of United States versus Staff Sergeant Travis D. Pullings. And Rebecca, can you tell us a little bit about what this case is all about?
2: Yes, of course. So the appellant asked the United States air force court, a criminal appeals for sentence relief on grounds that he suffered cruel and unusual punishment in violation of article 55 UCMJ, the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution, during the, a period of post-trial confinement in Lowndes County Jail, which is a civilian facility.
1: It sounds a little weird that we put a member of the Air Force in a civilian facility. you tell the audience a little bit about the facts that got us there?
2: Yes. So, the appellant, was guilty consistent with his pleas of sexual assault and sexual abuse of a child in violation of article 120 bravo ucmj the military judge then sentenced the appellant to confinement for eight years a reduction to the grade of e1 and a dishonorable discharge so following his sentence the appellant was then confined in the lowndes county jail which is a civilian confinement facility in Lowndes County, Georgia. So the Air Force pays Lowndes County Jail to detain military personnel who are waiting transfer to a military penitentiary, serving a sentence where a transfer to a military facility is impractical, or being held for pretrial confinement.
1: And it, you know this case comes to us because there wasn't the nicest place. Correct. Can you tell us a little bit about what he said was wrong with Lowndes County Jail?
2: Yes, so the appellant filed a complaint to the LCJ officials about the sanitary conditions of his confinement. He also claimed that he didn't have any edible food, drinkable water. There were multiple sanitary living condition concerns, as well as he was not receiving his prescription medicine and adequate medical care.
1: Now, this is supposed to be for a temporary holding place while he's awaiting transfer somewhere else. Uh, Eventually, we find from the, the opinion that it was actually about eight months he was there. Correct. Very well. All right. So, what issues did the calf grant?
2: So, the calf looked at two different issues. Can the decisions of military personnel satisfy the deliberate indifference aspect of the cruel and unusual punishment test when they repeatedly send military inmates to a local civilian confinement center with a history of inhumane living condition for inmates? And they also looked at if the appellant suffered cruel and unusual punishment for 247 days and nights at Lowndes County Jail.
1: So what would you say are the important points of the opinion here.
2: So the appellant did not raise the conditions of his post-trial confinement in any post-trial submissions to the convening authority. So the issue was not raised by materials in the record.
0: In Eighth Amendment issues, you've got two cases previously decided by the CAF. You've got U.S. versus Pena, sixty-four MJ two fifty-nine, and you've got U.S. versus Irby. 54MJ 476, in which the court has reviewed outside matters of the record to establish Eighth Amendment claims by an appellant. Uh, The CAF goes ahead and declines to overrule those uh, opinions at this time because they felt that uh, the appellant loses under any standard However, the takeaway on that aspect of it to the field is you have uh, Justice Hardy writing a 16-plus page concurrence, basically saying overrule it and stop reviewing matters outside the record. Uh, but beyond that, uh, Rebecca, can you go ahead and take us through um, how the calf looked at his claims?
2: Yes, yeah, so they the calf looked at the Lovett test, which ass- sets out three separate elements, and those elements are the appellant must prove that there was an objectively sufficiently serious act or omission that resulted in the denial of necessities, the appellant must prove a culpable state of mind on the part of prison officials amounting to deliberate indifference to his health and safety, and the appellant must prove that he exhausted the prisoner grievance system and that he had petitioned for relief under Article 138 UCMJ. The CAF held that the appellant failed to make the necessary showings with respect to what prison officials knew and whether they disregarded risks to inmate safety. The appellant did not set forth the specific facts showing that he complained about the mold, dirt, and pests. Additionally, they held that the calf held that he made a conclusory allegation that he had notified the Lowndes County jail officials about the conditions. In regards to the third element, appellant has not alleged that he has made anyone aware of his complaints about the lack of fresh air and exercise and has not established the requisite level of knowledge needed to satisfy the third element of the Lovett
1: test. So essentially the the appellant didn't do a really good job of creating a record. Uh, He made some claims, uh, which you know, Lowne County's jail individuals—they made file declarations themselves. They said, "Hey, you know, you said the, the water and the food is bad. However, we have health inspections all the time, and we pass. Uh, you said there's 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 rodents and vermin, and we have regularly have people come in pest control. We take care of that. Uh, said uh, essentially that you know we had problems with the roof. Well, we knew and we took care of that because we rehoused people and we fixed the roof."
0: And yes, sir. That's because he actually put in a complaint regarding that, and that was one of the takeaways. Also, maybe for the field here is make sure that um, you're documenting uh, these issues via complaints through the official process, and really pulling out the Lovett test and making sure that you can help a client uh, satisfy or at least set the stage to uh, provide the necessary evidence to show that you've met met the Lovett test. Also, the calf just to take care of that last issue about whether the prison, uh, military officials send uh, people to a, a inhumane, uh, or at least what they think is an inhumane, uh, confinement facility. Uh, CAF declined to just go ahead and adopt a blanket rule that, hey, that's a thing. Uh, essentially, uh, the point is every case is different. And in, in this case, uh, Sergeant Pollings didn't suffer any harm um, there was no Eighth Amendment violation until he actually suffered a harm, and until that occurred, they declined to engage in any type of, we'll uh, call it, uh, conjecture about what was going to happen, or did happen, or what the Air Force officials knew. Because again, with his previous claims, just the evidence wasn't there to support it.
1: I think they said some words to the effect of a, they're sure he wasn't very comfortable. Uh, obviously, not enjoying his time there, but no significant harm to him. Yes, sir. And so, Rebecca, uh, I guess overall, was the holdings uh, in this case?
2: So, the CAF held that the appellant did not rise the conditions of his post-trial confinement in any post-trial submissions to the convening authority, so the issue was not raised by materials in the record, and the appellant has not established that he suffered cruel and unusual punishment. Therefore, the CAF has affirmed the AFCA's decision.
1: Thank you, Rebecca. I guess we'll turn it over to James and myself, talk a little bit about it. We, We've hinted at it again. We've said it a little bit before about how the, the fleet in the field can use this. Just kind of wrap it up uh, with a bow. You know, Looking at a situation like this, how does a
0: defense counsel protect their client? Well, first, sir, you want to make sure that you're keeping in contact with your client after they have uh, left your office. There's a tendency to get done with the court martial and move on. Uh, this is, uh, you need to keep in contact, especially when they spend some time in civilian confinement, have some touch points with them. Uh, also, you may want to make sure that you're utilizing the full process of submitting 1106 matters and not just carte blanche waiving it. There's a uh, we'll call it a temptation since the convening authorities, in some instances, can take very limited to no action on these cases that you know, we're just not going to submit anything. But this is important that you continue to put as much in the record that can help your client as they go through the process because, again, they're not done until um, the Convening authority at Fort Sill says execute uh, the punishment, uh, the discharge, or whatever it may be, final action. And so we need to make sure that you're staying in contact, making sure that you're taking full advantage of your 1106 matters, and not just, you know, making sure that those go off to the wind. And then also making sure that they're filing the complaints that they need to file and making sure that they're actually documenting Uh, What's happening through those complaints instead of, as CAF put out, the conclusory statements of, I had moldy food. Well, that only goes so far if nobody saw it or there wasn't a contemporaneous complaint, as in this case, like the mop bucket. Hey, my roof is linky. They moved him. They gave him a mop bucket. Uh, there was responsiveness. There was a documentary uh, documentation, uh, as you will, of him going to the doctor and and getting some medicine and seeing an actual doctor. So, you just need to make sure that you're you're going through the steps and not just assuming facts are known because somebody's going to read this who doesn't know you who doesn't know anything about your situation and you really need to help paint a picture and a trail of. Of, uh, of, of the bread, as you will, for the appellate courts or your defense counsel at the appellate level to follow and put in front of a somebody that can actually do something for you.
1: And, and much to your point, uh, there's
0: a hesitancy or, or just
1: a, a reticence perhaps. If you have a pretrial agreement with the community authority, why would we offer, you know, make any clemency issues? Because the deal's the deal, you get what you get, uh, et cetera. However, and pardon me, 1106 RCM rules of court martial that covers clemency just for anyone that's not in, in the military justice system. Uh, so you have the right to you know, offer clemency matters to be considered clemency. You normally have 10 days for good cause. You need to extend another 20 days. Uh, but with the, the touch points that James is talking about, they could have developed a little more information like, oh, man, this is a really bad place. Uh, let's at least raise this issue. If it's a temporary thing, let's let's get the ball rolling so we can get out of here type of thing.
0: Um, And even if you're not going to get any relief, just as far as soldier care goes, making sure that they understand that there is a process for them to raise these types of complaints instead of just calling, you know, mom, dad, defense counsel and complaining about them, helping them work within the actual structure of the system that they're in can go a long ways to maybe alleviate some of these problems at the beginning. Exactly. And as uh, the courts had said that, that,
1: you know, needed to exhaust all of the remedies he could have within the system there at the jail. Uh, and also making that 138 complaint to the command well before the time they did. I mean, you just, if if it's a cruel and unusual punishment that you're claiming, you need to be ringing that bell a whole lot. So, anything else we need to talk about this case?
0: No, I don't have anything else unless, uh, Rebecca, um, you're excited uh, to be here. You've been here for how long?
2: I think this is our sixth week here. So I've really thoroughly enjoyed my experience thus far. It's been really exciting being able to work in the different areas of law because I thought I was very set on national security and criminal law, but being able to dabble here and there in civil law as well has been actually very interesting, and it's kind of shifted what I might want to do after law school.
1: But but criminal law is the best, right? Yes, yes.
2: Criminal law is by far the best and most entertaining. Just being able to read the cases and work with the wonderful staff this past week has been amazing.
1: It's an outstanding response. So uh, actually, uh, you you have applied for direct commission. is that correct?
2: Yes, correct. I just submitted my application yesterday.
1: And so what made you want to join the Jaguar?
2: So I knew I wanted to go to law school for probably about 10 years now, and I grew up participating in various camps where I was around veterans and just being surrounded with that as well as my undergrad being in national security and intelligence kind of directed me to the JAG Corps. I wanted something that was bigger than myself and something that had a team like environment. And I found that with the Army JAG Corps.
1: Well, that's awesome. Uh, well, for all our listeners out there, just want to say thank you again for tuning in. And James, welcome aboard. Thank you, sir. Very happy to be here and uh, look forward to many more of these as the years go by. And, and Rebecca, good luck. I think you have a great shot. Uh, it's been awesome having you as part of the team and uh, you know, look forward to seeing you in the field.
2: Thank you so much.
1: And uh, always remember, as Major Josh Mickelson would say, smash that subscribe button.
0: Thanks for joining us today for another episode of the Criminal Law Department Presents podcast. If anything you heard sparked a thought, we'd love to connect with you. Your comments help us create better future content for the field or the fleet. Reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. The information can be found in the show notes for today's episode. The views expressed in today's podcast are those of the presenters and not necessarily the Judge Advocate General's or the Department of the Army or the Department of Defense. Thanks, counsel,
1: for both sides. The court will stand in recess until further order of the court.